On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You're listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast called Your Last Decade. I thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago, how life has changed, what the year 2010 brought them, and what the last decade had brought them, and what they hope for over the next 10 years. Also, happy Juneteenth and happy Friday to you wherever you are listening. Did you know about Juneteenth? It is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. Dating back to 1865, it was on June 19th that the Union soldiers, led by Major General Gordon Granger, landed in Galveston, Texas with news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. Note that this was two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which had become official on January 1st, 1863. Today, Juneteenth celebrates African-American freedom and achievement while encouraging continuous self-development and respect for all cultures. As it takes on a more national, symbolic, and even global perspective, the events of 1865 in Texas are not forgotten for all of the roots tied back to the fertile soil from which a National Day of Pride is growing. You guys, I found that just by searching up online for on Juneteenth.com where you can find so much more information about this holiday. Today's show and next week's show are a little bit different from our normal Your Last Decade Friday shows. We ask you to share with us about some of the recent grads in your life who might have had a story or insight to share during the quarantine and coronavirus pandemic. We loved reading about your kids and your nieces and your neighbors. This week, our guests are EJ Priest, who's a recent high school grad in Indiana, nominated by her Aunt Lori. And the second half of the show is with my friend Sadie Robertson Huff's husband, Christian Huff. He graduated from Auburn in May, moved to Louisiana during quarantine, and was married just about seven months earlier. One thing I love about these special edition graduate conversations is that even in the looking back to third grade or middle school or high school, we see God moving in the lives of our guests, and they see how what seemed maybe insignificant at the time, how that has had an impact in how their faith grew to where they are today. Friends, if you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, go right now. Pause the show. Go over there. YouTube.com slash Jamie Ivy. Check it out. Subscribe. We've been working on some fun content from our interviews over at the channel. We don't want you to miss it. Also, if you're a regular listener, you know we've got all of our quarantine videos uploaded for you. Plus, next week, we've got a special quarantine celebration video that includes some listener photos, videos, maybe a surprise or two. I'd love to connect with you over there. YouTube.com slash Jamie Ivy. Okay, here's my conversation with EJ and Christian. Hey, EJ, welcome to your last decade of the happy hour. Thank you. Well, okay, so we're, we're doing some special your last decades in the month of June, and we're interviewing recent grads. Some people have been recent grads of master's degree, college, and you are a recent high school grad. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So happy for you. Okay, so also, I want to ask you how you got connected to the happy hour. My aunt listens to your show, actually, and when they heard about 
uh, the offer to submit a grad, uh, she jumped on the opportunity and submitted me. So here we are. (laughs) And she spoke very highly of you, just so you know. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah, she sent it to me and she was like, okay, just letting you know, I submitted you for this. You know, they're gonna, you might hear back from you, you might not, but this is what I said about you. And it was, it was precious what she wrote. It was so nice. (laughs) It was so nice. Okay, give a shout out. What's your aunt's name? Lori Van Diefender. Lori, Aunt Lori. Aunt thank Lori. you for telling yeah. us about EJ because we're excited to chat <laughs> with her today. Okay, so on this show, we talk about the last 10 years and your last 10 years, I mean, you were in what, third grade 10 years ago? Yep. <laughs> so uh, now you're graduating high school, which I must ask, uh, you know, during this quarantine, what was high school graduation like for you? We haven't really had a graduation yet. Um, the actual ceremony will be towards the end of July as of right now, if they still follow through with that, you know, everything's so up in the air. They've done small little things like to pick up our cap and gown, the teachers, you know, waved, they waited in front of the school and waved at us as we drove by, stuff like that. Um, the lunch ladies sent us home with their special cinnamon rolls one morning. That was nice. Yeah. So they've done a lot of little fun things like that. Our courthouse in town, uh, put up a sign for every kid in the county. And then I think the last thing is that our parents bought us a billboard on the outside of town with our uh, school class picture on it. So I love that so much. I love that. Uh, Okay. So I want to talk about your last 10 years. And one thing that I do know is that when you were five, you were diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so do you remember being the diagnosis? Do you remember being five and getting that diagnosis? Yes and no. My mom also has type 1 diabetes, so I was kind of familiar with the whole thing, just not directly to myself. So it wasn't completely foreign, but I can confidently say I don't remember life without it. Okay. Yeah. Because I think back and I'm like, I don't remember when I was five years old what happened. (laughs) But sometimes we do remember when things are could be traumatic or hard that we go through that we would have a memory of those. And so Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about what it's like. What has it been like in your last 10 years or even further than that if you want to go to it? What has it been like growing up with type 1 diabetes? I think the biggest thing is growing up so young. I became mature at a very young age, you know, because a lot of situations were life and death, you know, like I had to, I didn't really have a choice. It's things like, like snack time at school, you know, everybody would grab a juice and I couldn't necessarily have the juice because then the carbs, you know, everything would affect my blood sugar. So I'd get a bottle of water and then I'd have to mix in a drink stir, you know, to get a juice, you know, that was similar to everybody else. So it wasn't necessarily even the fact of like being different than everybody else it was like the delay in time and how I wasn't with everybody else. Like I didn't really care that I had to drink something different because I knew it was for my own health. The worst part was definitely just like not being fully included in that. I think that like going, especially, you know, 10 years back, as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, it is the way it is, but that's hard for a young kid to wrap their mind around. So that was a struggle for me. Yeah. So let's talk about that feeling different. You said you didn't really struggle with that much, but I would have to just guess going into high school. And I also know that when you were 16, you were diagnosed with celiac. There are things that are different about your life than other people's lives, just based on the fact that you have diabetes and celiac. How have you as a teenager, how have you walked through um, being different than maybe other kids at your school? And be honest, like I know that you seem very mature. And so I I would believe you if you said it doesn't bother you, but there would have to be sometimes that it does bother you, right? What has that been like for you? Overall, I try not to have a lot of things bother me. You know, there's in my mind, there's just no reason to, but there are some things that are pretty unavoidable. I'd say like 
recently, one of the biggest things that sticks out to me, I was actually on a college visit and we were asking about the gluten-free options and stuff at the cafeteria. And the lady was like, well, I mean, if you bring your own food, the dorms are only like, they're just a few minutes away. So, I mean, you can make your food in your dorm and then, you know, come eat with everybody else. And that was a really frustrating feeling for me because I've fought that, you know, my entire life. And like for that to kind of resurface again, like, this new exciting step in life. And it's like, uh, you know, you're <laughs> the same problems are still there. So that was really, really frustrating. That's probably the most recent like thing I can think of. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Which I am thinking is 2020. Why are we not have gluten-free options in the cafeteria? <laughs> What's going on people? Right. Right. <laughs> and, and celiac, I'm familiar with celiac because my mom was diagnosed probably 25 years ago with celiac. Mm-hmm. So she has been gluten-free most of my life that I can remember. And she loves coming to visit me in Austin because you can basically eat at any restaurant and have plenty of options for gluten-free options. I don't know how it is in Bloomfield, Indiana, but here we're rocking with the gluten-free options here. Okay. So you've been going through having to kind of grow up and mature faster than maybe some other children would as well. Uh, Talk to me about your senior year and this spring semester with the quarantine. What what have been some challenges for you? What have been some things that you have maybe developed? What have you done? What does that look like for you? I think one of the biggest challenges was not having um, stable Wi-Fi at home. Um, That was really difficult. So I was spending, you know, three to four hours every single day at the school in my car cramped up doing homework and trying to figure everything out like that. It was definitely a challenge also, like not having as much guidance through school, you know, whether that be teachers or administration, even, you know, trying to get fully ready for college and like scholarships and stuff like that. That was definitely a challenge, I think. Just kind of, they did their best, of course, but still just being isolated at your house, um, that made everything so much more difficult. Oh, I bet. I bet. Okay. Let's talk to you about spiritually this last semester. I know you have a Bible study that you um, have started. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So when school was canceled, there was a group chat made that I was put in with like a few of my girlfriends from high school. And, you know, they're just down. Like, I hate this. I hate that. We can't do this. This is canceled. And I was just kind of sitting there and my jaw just kind of dropped because really like me as a person, I don't like to have that outlook on anything. You know, I've kind of just learned, like, I'm a pretty laid back, chill person. And like, yeah, like it was horrible. (laughs) I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't having a good time in quarantine, but I was like, I'm not going to get down about it. Like we cannot change a single thing. So that was kind of my mindset. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading all these texts just about how people are like full of hate and just disappointment. And I was like, whoa, 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 you know, let's like go the opposite direction. You know, let's try to make something good about this. Like, let's, you know, change our thought process. And that's kind of where it started was with a few of those girls. I would send, you know, like good morning texts with a few Bible verses and stuff. And then, you know, a few of them would ask, oh, hey, I think so-and-so would be interested in this. So then I just kind of opened it up. So then we switched to Snapchat and then we were Zooming every single day. I tried to lead a Zoom every day and that was in like March and April. And it was doing really, really well. What were you leading the Zoom? Like a Bible study or what were you doing yes. in there? Okay. Yep, a Bible study. So we do a short, I try to do my favorite like Bible studies are ones with like a real life story and then applied with a Bible story and then a few discussion questions. Okay. And you developed this. A lot of it was adapted from different FCA lessons. Okay, I have, got it. A fellowship of Christian athletes because I've been to their leadership camps and stuff and I am an athlete myself. So a lot of it was athlete related. 
athletics related and stuff like that. So yeah, we do like an athlete story or a sports story, Bible story, and then discussion questions. So we did that every day for a while. And then as things have started reopening in the past month, you know, the end of school scholarships, because most of the girls are high school and college age. So, you know, everybody's swamped with finals and stuff. So it kind of died down a little bit. So now we meet um, two times a week, which is really awesome because now we actually have a schedule since people are like starting to begin normal life again. Um, so, yep, as of right now, we meet two times a week. And again, it's still a Zoom. And if we can't Zoom, I try to, you know, message something out. So yeah, it's been a really cool opportunity. I don't even know all the girls in the Bible study. They've kind of just come from everywhere. You know, everybody knows somebody and they'll bring them in. So that it's so cool to see all the girls that are in it, meet new people and always have like that support. How many girls do you have coming every week? Um, well, there's about 40 girls in the group chat and then the Zooms, it just completely varies how many show up. You know, I've had me and then one other girl before and yeah. then I've had, you know, 20. Uh-huh. So it just depends on the week and what's up. So Are you going to keep doing it in the summer? I plan on it. Yeah. Um, I also work at a diabetes camp for kids with type one diabetes and that's the entire month of June. So I don't know how long it'll be online. So depending on how much time that takes, but I plan on continuing it as long as we can keep it going. I love that so much. Okay. I also have another question for you because I think I heard this right. Did you deliver Bible verses in like packets or something to your friends during quarantine? EJ, tell me about this. (laughs) Okay. So this was at the very, very, very beginning. Again, with like just the little group text with me and my friends. So as I was sending these verses, I was like, well, I don't, I guess I don't really know what each of them are feeling, these emotions. So I was like, I made a list of all of these different emotions, you know, mad, angry, depressed, lonely, all of these different things and put, you know, one or two verses and then like a song that I really liked that went with them. I think I made probably eight or nine of these and delivered them out to my friends, just left them on their front porch. I didn't say much. I just kind of like left them and left. So yeah, just a little bit of that just so that they could have that. Um, cause I know sometimes it's awkward or it can be, you know, to ask somebody like, Hey, I'm struggling with this or Hey, you know, so I was like, I'll just give it to them, you know, and if they're feeling it, they can use it if they feel it helpful. Have you had people do that to you in your life? Not, not specifically that, but I've being like, I guess the cheerleader of the group, you know, I kind of just try to hype everybody else. Up. I just it's always been my passion to just do as much as I can for others. So yeah, it's been really neat and cool to be able to help all these girls and they've helped me more than they know too. So it's awesome. I love that. What an encouragement for you to even take, take the initiative to think I'm going to do this for my people, for your friends who are kind of, you know, down in the dumps. And as, as we all have been in these quarantine Mm -hmm. months, for sure. What does next year look like for you? What does college look like? I'm not completely sure yet. I'm going to Oakland City University to play tennis and to study, I think, uh, psychology and special education. Do they have gluten-free options in the cafeteria? (laughs) Yes, they do. Good, good. (laughs) Very, very helpful. So yeah, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like yet, I guess, with the whole uh, corona stuff. They've mentioned, you know, um, more small group type class settings instead of actual classrooms. Um, but as of right now, they are opening the campus. Um, they actually never shut down their campus this spring. They kept it open for the students that live there. It's really small. They've got like 1300 students. Yeah. So, yeah. 
we're just kind of waiting, I guess. <laughs> Nobody yeah. knows for sure yet. So, Okay. I have a question for you, EJ. I, I think with as many listeners as we have to the happy hour, there are bound to be somebody that in this year, 2020, either themselves or their child or a family member is going to be diagnosed with something, maybe something that would be, you know, a long-term something that they would deal with, like what you have been diagnosed with two different things. What is your encouragement to that person as they walk into this? Okay. My number one encouragement would be find other people. Like you're not alone. And that's in anything. Like the worst feeling is feeling like you don't have anybody. I mean, coming from a small town, I didn't, when I was little, I didn't have people like me. I had my mom, but that's, you know, different. You know, she was older. Like she wasn't a five-year-old Yeah, like me. You know, I did feel left out and especially like going to school and people not understanding, you know, my friends didn't understand. They could have been supportive, but they didn't understand fully. So I started going to diabetes camp when I was seven. And that like one of the best things that's ever happened to me was finding that community of people. And I live about two hours and 15 minutes from camp. And a lot of the people, a lot of my other friends live really close together. So that's kind of difficult. But like just having that support system, like a hundred percent of the time, you know, I can call any one of those people and be like, Hey, I'm going through this. And they're like, yeah, I understand. Like that would be my advice would be don't think you're alone. Cause you're not find That's a group really of people. Good. Yeah. That would be my advice. What is your advice to friends of these people? Like what, how have your friends loved you? Even if they don't understand what it feels like to have type one diabetes, like how have they loved you? How have they served you? How have they cared for you? How can we be great friends to people that might get a diagnosis this year? I guess one of the most frustrating things is when people say, oh, you know, like, I know what you're feeling when they don't, you know, and I think that's with anything, you know, any sort of event that happens in life. It's frustrating when somebody, you know, pretends what or pretends to know what you're going through, at least. I love personally when people ask me questions. Questions don't offend me. Questions show me that you you care, you know, and you want to know more and you're there to listen. So just ask the questions. Most people aren't going to be offended. I don't know very many people that are offended by getting asked questions. So I would say, you know, ask questions, just check in, you know, shoot a text every once in a while. Like, Hey, how are you feeling today? You know, stuff like that. And my friends have been awesome through that. I love that. Well, EJ, congratulations on graduating high school. I think the maturity level of how you care for your friends is beautiful to watch. And it can be an encouragement to all of us how to love the people around us well in crazy times. Thank you for talking with us about how do we be better friends as well. And good luck playing tennis. What's y'all's mascot? Because I need to know. Or the Mighty Oaks. Oh, Mighty Oaks. Go, go, Mighty Oaks. Go, 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 go. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. 
Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now Travel Texas offers a one of a kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, Christian, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on the happy hour. Well, this is now, I'm just going through everyone in your family right now. I've had your mother-in-law on, I've had your wife, I've had one of Sadie's aunts on. So we're just going through all the Robertsons and now we're happy to have you on the happy hour. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be on here. And they have all said nothing but great things. So, Oh, they're kind. They're kind. Well, this is the special edition of the Happy Hour. We're talking about your last decade. And, you know, I think when we look back, it is important, even if we look back on our last decade and we were 12, 10 years ago, which is what you were. You were 12 years old, yeah. 10 years ago. What did life look like I for Christian 12 at 12? Yeah. So life for me when I was 12 looked like I was in sixth grade. And I was very involved with sports at my uh, middle school. I was playing football and basketball and baseball. 
And when I was 12, so it's kind of funny. So actually, so the town that I'm from is called Niceville, Florida. And when I was, we were, I was on a little league baseball team and we won state in little league that year when I was 12. And we were the second team from our area to ever win state. And we went down to Orlando and won. And I actually hit the game winning home run. So that was like the peak of like my younger years. And it was funny to look back on that. And, and my mom sent me some pictures. because I honestly could not remember what I was doing 10 years ago. <laughs> and that was what I was doing. I was in 2010. I was playing baseball. Yeah, it was a great year. Game winning home run. I mean, Christian, that is something worth remembering. Way to go. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was my 12 year old self was really excited about it. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. Okay, so what was high school like for you? I have often heard people say that people either love high school and they're like, I would go back to high school any day, or they're like, I hated high school. I never want to do it again. What was high school like for you? High school for me was just some um, the years where I was playing baseball and just making a lot of decisions that I was later on regret. But the Lord definitely taught me a lot looking back at those years and kind of some of the things he was teaching me that I'm able to uh, help other people in, in this stage of my life. You know, I'm kind of like that with high school. It held a lot of things for me that I wish I would have done differently, but it's also Mm -hmm. some of the most things that I have learned about myself and can then use that as part of my testimony. Like you said, when did you start following the the Lord? So for me, so it's pretty crazy. So and this is something that I talk about a lot now, but so in high school, so growing up, I was, you know, went to church every Sunday and I was really, uh, I guess, religious in a way and grew up in church, but I didn't necessarily grow up in Christ. And then throughout high school, um, just kind of just was one foot in church, one foot in the world. And then that went on for a few years. And then when I got to college, I, I was probably a few months into college and one night I was at a party and I was on a porch by myself. And I'm like, just on a porch, just shotgunning beers, just trying to get just, I guess, drunk as fast as possible. And then this guy walked out and we weren't really super close friends, but he kind of sat down next to me as I'm sitting in this lawn chair now. And he says, he kind of looks at me, he says, like, I thought you didn't drink. And then for some reason, because I came into college as a, you know, quote unquote, dry dry pledge for my fraternity Mm -hmm. that I was in at the time. And, um was not, my actions were not showing what I was telling people that I was. And then that, for some reason, something in that moment really clicked with me. And, you know, I look back on it now and say that it was the spirit and first time that I'd really felt true conviction. And then after that, after that moment, I like walked down, down the stairs, left the farm in the rain. And then, um, that was the moment where I kind of surrendered everything and kind of gave my life. And I was like, like, I'm not, you know, going to waste these next four years of my life in college. And so that, that night for me was what really kind of projected my relationship with the Lord throughout wow. those years. Wow. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a, a movie, like you, you know, you're on the porch by yourself and someone comes in and says something profound and then you walk out in the rain and your life changed. And did you oh, say yeah, that was your really, freshman year? Really does, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was like that was like two months, two or three months into my freshman year of college, mm. and, and 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 it was a rough two months into college. Believe me. Yeah. Did you start out at Auburn? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So I started okay. out at Auburn. Then I, Auburn. I finished this past May. Okay. So that freshman year is where you really decided, I'm going to actually live for the Lord and give my life to him. How, what, if you were to look back, you know, that was just four years ago when you started college. If you were to look back mm-hmm. and go, what do you think your life would have been like had that moment on that porch not have happened? I think it would have been something you know, kind of gradual, I think, Mm -hmm. if that moment didn't happen, because when I first got up there, I was plugged in at a great church with a great pastor, and there was an amazing community, and we were, I think that if that moment didn't happen, then I would have, uh, I think at some point down the road, would have kind of came into my senses, and I think that my eyes would have been open to the fact that, you know, I don't want to live my life like this, and whether that had been through just people that I met, whether in the fraternity, because I, you know, some of the best guys that I know throughout college were in the fraternity with, with that I was in. And I think people through the church were just really genuine, really honest and open and transparent. And I think that if I got plugged in with them, I think that that moment would have happened later down the road. But I think it, I think it would have happened at some point. But if it didn't have happened, then I, I mean, I'll not be on this podcast right now and I would not be married <laughs> to the person that I'm married to. If, honestly, if that moment didn't happen four years ago. Which, which is crazy to think about. It is crazy to think about. And I'm I'm thankful the way that God moves in our stories. And, you know, you and I both would probably say we wish that our maybe our high school would have looked a little different than it was. But I think, like you said, is really true mm-hmm. is that God can use those moments for us when we have interactions and when we're speaking to people. We know that you graduated this year. Uh, well, I know, and I'm telling everyone that you graduated this year mm-hmm. from Auburn. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle. Oh yeah. I forget what we're supposed to say. Yes. War Eagle. And and you also got married this past year. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. She's a rock star. She's a rock star. So needless to say, the last probably two years of your college life, I would imagine, you haven't told me this, but I would imagine they were a little bit of a whirlwind. Oh my goodness. It was. Talk to me about the whirlwind of the last two it years of your crazy. college. Yeah, the last two years in college were just crazy. So so right before my junior year, me and Sadie met and started dating like September of my junior year. And I honestly think I was in Nashville like every single weekend. I was, it, was like a, it was like a four hour drive. Every time I would try to get it under four hours, whether it was, you know, bending the speed limit a little, a little bit. But I, um, I have a knack for liking to always try to beat the ETA that the maps gives me. But I was up there every single weekend. And um, whether it was going on dates or, you know, being in Louisiana here with her family or being in Florida with my family, it was a little crazy. And two, like, you know, going to class, I had to kind of be more um, mindful, you know, of people around me. And I mean, I think I wore a hat every day to class just just to prevent something ever happening with someone. And, and, and that's, that sounds so weird to say, but, and then it was yeah. a few months in, I think probably, I think it was like January where people kind of started to know we were together. And then by then that was half of the year was almost over. And then, then after that moment, we, that was when things started getting really serious. And yes, it was just, and it was because, you know, we did do long distance and that was difficult with, you know, being a full-time student, leading a Bible study, you know, she's traveling the world, doing what she's doing. And it'd be funny that like she'd be going to speak somewhere crazy. And I'm like studying for like a, like a government test or something like that. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what am I doing right now? But the last two years were, were awesome. And then senior year, we got uh, married right before I finished my first semester this past year. That was difficult too, just being engaged and, you know, knowing that I'm going to get married in three months, but still feeling called where I'm at right now to finish school. And 
you know, still try to be, try to spend time with, with the guys that I was super close to and, you know, not abandoning those relationships. And so it was tough. It, that, that was a navigate through, you know, being a full-time student and going up to Nashville every weekend and, you know, having some of my friends feel like I wasn't, you know, as open or like not as open, but as like accessible, I guess, if you want to say as I, as I had been. And I was like, well, what do you expect? What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a difficult season. And then, then the back, like this, the back half of this year, you know, everything with the coronavirus happened. So we didn't get to finish uh, the year. So we ended up coming back to Louisiana early, but it was an amazing, like the two, the two years that we were, you know, dating and, and engaged and getting married throughout my last two years were, they were the most fun years and most memorable moments were, it was awesome. That's really great. I know that you had to finish your last semester um, at home mm-hmm. yeah, because of the, you know, COVID-19 and how schools went online. What was it like finishing your senior year? Like you're married now. And then I believe you and Sadie moved back to Louisiana mm-hmm. and you're trying to finish college. How did you kind of juggle all of these new things happening right now and graduating online? Yeah. So, and it's kind of funny because it's because so before the coronavirus actually happened in uh, February. So keep in mind, so we, we got married in November. I'm still a full-time now. So February was 29 days. And we were in Auburn for 12 of them. Oh my so gosh. So we, we were traveling, traveling for like 16 or like 17 days. And I'm still like taking tests, like emailing my teachers, like, hey, you have no idea what's actually going on in my life, but I can't make this test. Can I yada yada yada? And none of my professors ever knew what like it was funny. Like they never knew where I was or what I was doing, which was funny. I just told them I was out of town. Um, But fishing my classes online was was interesting. It was kind of like everything became super tedious at that point. You know, take any more quizzes or or you could take the quizzes and the tests, but a lot of stuff kind of transitioned into like projects and like little assignments that were like. Like, come on, come on. We're we're graduating next month. This is <laughs> right. What are we doing here? Come on, come come on. What are we what are, what what are we doing here? But it was it, it was fun to finish, and um, you know, and knowing that everyone else that I know and everyone else in the world was going through the same thing. It's very interesting. But I do. It, it probably the schooling was honestly probably easier than some of the the finals that I was going to have to take in person. I'm sure. Oh, I'm um, sure. So. Christian, I want to ask you this. Uh, what has it been like for you as a young man? Because I mo- mostly interview women. So I'm, I'm happy to ask you this. What has it been like for you as a young man transitioning into marriage? My husband, Aaron, and I have been married almost 19 years. We're big fans of marriage. But I know sometimes a transition can be a little bit difficult. What has it been like for you? Yeah, so it really was. Um, it was such an awesome transition because so me and Sadie dated a year doing long distance. And then we got engaged last summer. And then we spent all summer together, which we had never done that before. And that was mm-hmm. awesome, kind of being together every day. And then we went back to like a four-month spurt of like back to long distance while we we're engaged. We're about to be getting married. You know, you're busy traveling. I'm busy with school. So it was interesting to navigate. But when we got married, it was such a blessing because we um, that was really like the last time that we'd leave one another for like a long period of time and not have to, you know, drive four or five hours every time we wanted to see each other. So it was coming. And I think we look back on those moments where we did date long distance and we were so grateful because it forced us to force us to have conversations that I think, you know, I think if you see someone every day when you're dating, I think that sometimes maybe you don't have those conversations. Well, I think you do, but I think for us, it really just forced us to just to communicate well. And just to, you know, because, you know, she's doing what she's doing and I'm still in college, just being 
just talking about, you know, where I'm going, who I'm with and stuff like that. And then when we got married, it was, it was awesome. It was such a good transition. It was crazy because the, I think the top three stressors, Sadie looked it up when you get married are like moving, getting married, like the top three stressors in life were like, and, uh, something else. I can't remember what the other one was, but it was literally, she was moving to Auburn. We were getting married. And like the next month she's like speaking at passion. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just taking 14 hours as a college student. <laughs> so it was, it, it, it was awesome t- to get married and then honeymoon and then come back. So it was, it was actually, we got married, we honeymooned. And then like the day we got back from our honeymoon, I was taking finals in class and um, hardly studied for them. But it was just, it was such a fun transition with that. And then, uh, getting to spend every day together and then kind of talk through her message at passion, just really getting to spend life together because that was, that was the, like the first time where we just did not have to really leave one another. And it was so fun. It was such a great transition. Um, months, three days ago, and it's been the best six months. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congratulations. And Shady's talk at Passion was unbelievable. So, so good. I told her that when we got to chat. It was so good. What about the next 10 years? What's next for you guys uh, right now? What do you hope to see God do in your lives in the next 10 years? I know that it's kind of weird to look 10 years out. It feels really weird, actually. But what are you looking forward to? The next 10 years. So actually, so right now, I... um am currently working for her dad. So her dad's so at our local church here in Louisiana. It's called Christ Church. Mm-hmm. And they asked him to kind of lead a ministry called the Evangelism Ministry. And probably about a month ago, he asked if I kind of want to work for him and kind of be his right-hand man kind of for the team. So that's what I'm doing right now. And that's been a ton of fun. So for the next 10 years, I think it looks like, I think we want to start a family and definitely plant roots here in Louisiana. Currently, we're living at her parents' farmhouse, but I think the next 10 years, I think we want to kind of build a little, maybe a little guest house, a little something small, and then uh, just continue to travel and do ministry and, yeah, go places, travel, hopefully be evangelistic with what we're doing and start a family here. I love it. Well, you guys are the cutest, and you're going to change the world. I just know it. And Congratulations on graduating uh, in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, for sure, which is an extra congratulations. And I'm just excited to see what you and Sadie do over the next 10 years. So Christian, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Magram. 
Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, we'd love it if you enjoyed the show, if you would share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast. Thank you for that. Happy Friday. Have a good weekend. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.